Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 24 of Process to Profitability. Today I am talking with Amy of Paper Finch and we are chatting all about weatherproofing your business, including what that means for your business, how you can get started, and three major steps for getting weatherproofed in your business, whether that is preparing for um, having to take some time off or growing and scaling as you are creating different sources of income. A wanderer at heart, Amy at Paper Finch Design creates inspirational and geographic art and gift products in order to help people tell their story. She wants to help people illustrate and find the inspiration in their own journey, where they're going, where they've been, or their favorite life motto. Check her out at paperfinch.com and enjoy this episode. Hi, Amy. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this topic, but before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Of course. Um, So my name's Amy Braswell, and I started Paper Finch Design, which is a, um, a design company. We create inspirational and geographic art prints and home goods, gift products, to help you tell your story. We um, kind of speak to the adventuresome spirit in everybody, um, to the people that like to go out and have adventures, whether that's you know across the world or in your own backyard. And I am currently living in St. Petersburg, Florida. My family and I just up and moved to the beach about seven months ago because we wanted to live by the water. So we picked St. Petersburg and here we are and we love it. Awesome. So how did you get started, um, especially with the niche of like working with people who are adventuresome and want prints for all of that in their homes? Well, I when I met my now husband, he was working on a um, vacation rental website. He owned a vacation rental website, kind of like VRBO or HomeAway. And that's what introduced me to both graphic design because I got to work with his, I started copywriting And I got to work with his graphic designer and just fell in love with graphic design. And then I got the travel bug from my husband for sure. So we love traveling. And um, on the weekends, you'll rarely find us at home. Even if we just take a little road trip, we're off doing something and out there living life and having little adventures of our own, which now we have a two-year-old. So they're a little closer to home (laughs) than they used to be. Um, So it just, it's easy when you love niche like it just kind of organically happened because I love travel and I love design and I just kept designing travel and geographic related things and those were getting the best reception probably because I poured my heart into them the most because I do love travel so it was just kind of a snowball effect that worked out really well Awesome. And I love that there are so many ways, especially in designs, because I am a graphic designer, so I do branding and website, but you've taken graphic design and sort of done it in a different way to still have your own business. Yeah. In fact, it's funny. I was just telling someone yesterday that when I was in art school, I used to always get like 
not in trouble, but the critiques were that I decorated rather than designed. But I always just kind of shrugged <laughs> it off because I knew that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to do websites or, you know, brochures or business cards or logos, a lot of the typical graphic design type stuff, I guess. I just wanted to make pretty art. So I, I toy with calling myself a digital artist or a graphic artist, but graphic design just kind of rolls off the tongue a little easier. Yeah. But yeah, I do it a little bit different than, than a lot of other graphic designers. Yeah. So today we're talking about weatherproofing your business. Yes. Um, so I'd love to have you explain what you mean when you say that we should weatherproof our business. Okay. So a little bit about me just to backpedal and tell you why I'm so passionate about this topic and to kind of help explain what I mean by weatherproof your business. When I was growing Paper Finch um, several years ago, I was very lucky that it was doing well. But then I got hit really hard with some life events, with some family health crisis. Um, I lost my father and my husband and I were going through IVF, which is very draining emotionally, financially, and especially time-wise. As the female, you're, you're going in and getting the ultrasounds and the shots and the doctor's appointments. So the point being is I had to kind of close the doors to paper finch and just cross my fingers that it was still there when I came back because it was just me. I didn't have systems in place. I didn't have protection against life taking me away from my business for a little while. So fast forward a couple of years and um, we now have adopted a wonderful little two-year-old boy. Life's a little bit more stable and um, I've learned from those lessons. So I really have a passion for helping other creative entrepreneurs get ahead of that because inevitably life is going to take you away from your business and hopefully it's for fun. Hopefully it's for a vacation or, you know, a nap, <laughs> but it might be for if your child gets sick or if you get sick or if who knows, you know, um, got a major house renovation going on. You never know life, what life's going to throw at us. So I'm really passionate about helping people make sure they've got a few systems and processes in place so that they don't have to totally shut their doors. Their business can kind of take that hit and keep on chugging away, even if they're not right there at the steering wheel every minute. Okay. So when do you recommend that small business owners start the weatherproofing process? Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> there are, even if you are a brand new business, even if you're an established business, there's so much you can do right off the bat to start weatherproofing your business. And I think it's something that it sounds daunting, but you can even take baby steps starting today to, to kind of make that forward progress. Okay. So what are those steps that we should be taking? Well, I talk about three big steps um, in kind of starting the process to weatherproof your business, which in turn, it kind of um, parallels scaling your business as well. So the first one I say is organization, like starting now, <clears throat> excuse me, document everything. And I know that that sounds so crazy intimidating. I am not a type A person at all. I am so type B, which I mean, which is why I found myself five years into my business suddenly saying, oh, wait, how do I do this? Where do I keep this? What, what's going on? Because I didn't have systems and processes and didn't document things. So I talk about documenting everything, 
um, having creating a brand Bible, just kind of getting all your ducks in a row. And the end goal of that is that at some point, you might need to hand the reins off to someone else, whether it's because you're scaling up or whether it's because you do have to step away and you need someone to just kind of take over for a little while and you want to be able to hand them everything and say, here you go. Here's how I do this. Here's my um, fonts. Here's my colors. Here's my brand guidelines. Here's my social media passwords. You want it to be seamless and you want it to there to be no hiccups. You don't want your brand to suffer because you didn't tell them, oh, I never use emoticons or something as simple as that. So, I mean, when I say document everything, everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was just talking about this with Ashley Cox, who is at Sprout HR, and she was talking about creating processes that you write down so you mm -hmm. can give them to, you know, potential future employees. And this sounds like it's similar is you want to have all of that written down in one place so that if somebody needs to get in there and take over for you, they know exactly what it is that they have to do step by step, lay it out and have that ready to go. Exactly. And that might be a ways down the road for your brand, but hopefully that day will come when you need to hand it off to someone else. And you'd never know if life happens, if you're going to have to hand it off tomorrow, you know, you, you never know if you're ill, God forbid, or you want to take an extended vacation. You may have to hand it to a VA or your sister or your mother and say, okay, just all you have to do is keep up with the bare minimums so that, you know, I don't have to close my doors while I'm gone, but here's what you need to do. Yeah. So it just gives you a little safety net just in case, you know, that you aren't, oh gosh, I'm the only one who can do this and I'm the only one who knows how to do this. <laughs> and I think the key to getting those processes down is to just, it's not to sit down and try to do them all in one day. <laughs> Correct, yes, yeah. You don't, I try to stress like, you don't necessarily have to go back to the beginning. If you're an established business, don't have to go back to the beginning and do it all right off the bat. You know, baby steps are fine. Just start now moving forward and just jot down what you do and include the, the steps that you take for granted too. I mean, go to the URL bar and type in www. Obviously, you know, you know how to do that, but you never know who you're handing off your stuff to. And, yep. and hopefully they would at least know how to type an address in the URL bar, but <laughs> you just never know. So, you and that way know. to keep, you know, them from emailing you or calling or texting with questions, you just lay it out every little baby step. You'd rather have someone say, oh, I know how to do this than... Wait, what does she mean by this? Yep. Yeah, I have gotten instructions from people both ways. And mm -hmm. when they are not clear, you're like, I am just guessing here because I don't know if I'm going to do it right because it's not laid out. And I think we take the things that we know how to do for granted. So we yes. don't think we need to lay them out as well as we probably should. Exactly. Exactly. I provide screenshots in some of my processes. So it's like, there's no question about what I mean by upper right-hand corner. I've got a screenshot with a big circle. <laughs> this is where I mean. Click here. Okay, so what was the second step? The second step is outsourcing. I know a lot of people, um, especially in the beginning of their business, um, think like, oh, well, I can't afford to pay a salary. I'm not there yet. I'm not ready yet. But I try to stress that you don't have to pay. You're not hiring a CEO full-time or a CFO. You can pay someone 
in little bite-sized pieces. I have someone I pay for an hour a month to do something for me, and that's all it takes. And it's one of those things where I hate to break it to you, but you are not good at everything. I'm not good at everything. Nobody's good at everything. So for example, I stink at Pinterest. I don't know why, but for some reason, my brain and Pinterest, I just don't quite understand how it all works. So I have someone and I pay her an hour a month. That's it. To kind of schedule some pins for me to look it over, look over what I've done that month, clean it up, make some tweaks. And we're both happy because for her, it's easy. It's a no brainer job. She's just, Pinterest is her wheelhouse. So it, it's worth it for me to pay her an hour a month and spend that hour knowing I'm getting quality work done on Pinterest and I can focus my attentions elsewhere on things I'm good at. So, or even I try to stress that outsourcing can be as simple as hiring someone to come clean your house. It doesn't even have to be business related, but anything that frees you up to get the big things done that only you can do is outsourcing. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not good at cooking. Actually, I'm okay at cooking. I'm not good at meal planning. <laughs> so I use Blue Apron. They send me the meals. It's all prepped. It's all planned. And I just have to cook them. And that saves me headache and time. And I can work on the designs that only I can do. Yeah. And you made a good point in that when you hire somebody who is really good at something that mm-hmm. you're not good at, it takes them a lot less time. And so I think it costs less than we might think because it does not take, you know, your Pinterest person doesn't take four hours to go through and pin things every month. It, you know, she can do that a lot faster and she's going to do it better. Exactly. And sometimes it's even things that you can do, but it still just makes more sense if you step back and think about it um, for you to hire it out. For example, I'm a graphic designer. We covered that already. I needed a product catalog. I tried to do it. And I spent countless hours trying to figure out how to do a catalog, but it's not in my wheelhouse. I finally hired it out and I am in love with my catalog. And it took her a quarter of the time it was taking me and I wasn't even, I didn't even have anything to show for it. So I hired that out and spent time doing what I knew how to do. So, I mean, even if, you think in the, in the beginning, oh, I'm saving money by doing it myself, but you're losing money Yeah. in the end, like what you just said. Right. And you have to figure out what it is that you have to be involved in, like the design exactly. or the, the main core of your business and what you can hand off to somebody else with a minimum number of instructions and trust them to be able to handle that for your business as a representation of what you are trying to do. Exactly. And if there's something that you're doing over and over and over and over and over again, and it just feels like a time suck, those are the things you probably can figure out a way to outsource. All right. I mean, that's what I do uh, one-on-one mentoring calls. And that's one of the first things I ask is what's your biggest time suck? What do you feel like you're doing over and over that just kind of drains the life out of you? And it's repetitive. Because those are the kind of things that are easy to outsource. Because once you give the instructions, once, you know, the detailed instructions that back in step one you documented, someone can usually kind of get into a groove. And even if they don't really understand why they're doing what they're doing, they're doing it, you know? Yeah. If if that makes sense. 
Yeah. So when you outsource, do you find someone who like specializes in that in their own business or do you find someone um, that you can train and then hand over the reins, but it's not necessarily something they're doing for other people? Oh, that's a good question. Um, (laughs) I have done both, actually. Um, Usually for one-off projects, I find someone who that's what they do, like the catalog kind of thing. Uh, But I also have, like I have a VA and I've trained her to do some things that I don't think she does for her other clients. For example, she works for me two days a week and she works for someone else two days a week. And I think she has some overlap, but my business and the other business she works for do such different things that I'm definitely kind of teaching her some product based business specific things. Yeah. Did that kind of answer your question? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's just showing that you shouldn't be afraid of taking some time to train somebody to make sure they're going to do it right. Exactly. And you don't have to necessarily do that from day one. You can kind of sit back and give them, you know, easy work for a little bit just to kind of see their skill, skill level. That sounds... It sounds mean, but it is what it is. Or their drive or, or kind of how you communicate with each other. Right. I've, I hired an intern one time that she was perfectly nice and hard worker, but for some reason, like just our, we, we, it felt clunky talking to each other. So yeah. things didn't progress quite as quickly as I feel like they could have and nothing against her. I gave her a glowing review when the internship was over, but it's not someone that I probably would have brought on full time, you know, just because you do have to talk to them and have that kind of vibe working together. So you don't, I I think that scares a lot of people away from outsourcing too, is you think like, oh, I've hired them. I'm stuck with them forever. Well, business is an ebb and flow, you know, be, be smart about it, be kind about it. Um, but you're not signing away anything in blood and you're not promising them 40 hours a week off the top of the, you know, off the bat. Right. And if you start with something small, like an hour a month, you can really get a feel of how you work together without Mm -hmm. the bigger commitment. Yeah. You can even do a probation period if you want. My um, Pinterest girl that I mentioned at the beginning, I had her do a larger chunk of time because I I had her, I told her burn my Pinterest to the ground (laughs) and rebuild it. And so it was a longer process in the beginning, but we both agreed on a probationary period where we both committed to, you know, X amount of hours. And then after that, we'd re reassess. So that's always a good idea too, if you're hesitant about bringing somebody else into your business. And I know it's scary to give away a little bit of control. That's always a scary feeling of giving the reins over for a little bit. Yeah, it is. But I think when you find the right people, it's definitely worth it. Absolutely. And your business can thrive from it because they can bring in new blood or a second set of eyes. Okay. So what is the third step? The third step is recycling. Um, I really believe that, first of all, that you don't have to create everything from scratch. I think a lot of business owners get in this like quagmire of, oh, I have to do everything from the beginning every single time. It takes so long. And then you look around and you go, how are all these people getting all this stuff done? How are they posting all this content? How do they have the time? But if you kind of sit back and think, oh, okay, how can I take the work that I've already done and use it in different ways? You'll end up saving so much time. 
For example, um, if you write a blog post, if you aren't pulling quotes from that blog post and doing like four to five different social media posts, you're wasting an opportunity there. And then if you think about there's several different social media platforms, you're up to like 20 different different posts because, you know, you want to phrase something one way for Twitter and one way for Pinterest and one way for Facebook. So one blog post can stretch over, um, you know, days or even weeks, depending on how you want to do it as you incorporate it into that different social media, or you can promote it as a guest blogger, find someone else in your niche because that blogger is probably having a hard time keeping up with content. And you say, okay, can I be a guest blogger? Here's my blog. Do you want a guest on mine? So it's just kind of opening up your mind to once you do something, you don't have to then go, okay, well, that was good. Let's move on. Right. You can take the same photo and crop it and rotate it and do different filters. And you can come up with like, I don't know, countless different images to use for social media. But like what I'll do sometimes is I'll take old designs that I look at now and I cringe because we all do that. And Mm -hmm. I will repurpose them to where I'll modernize them and put them more in line with my brand now. But I've already done the hard work of coming up with the concept and the layout and I'm just tweaking it. Right. it's, It's different ways you can kind of cut corners and make the content stretch. So for example, if you know you're going on um, a vacation for a couple of weeks, you could write those long blog posts and plan out your social media that'll keep posting while you're gone. So you're still in, you know, engaging with your customers and posting fresh new content, even though you're kind of away from the steering wheel, as it were. Right. And I do this um, for some of my solo episodes for the podcast. I went back to old blog posts that I had written and, you know, pulled out what I wanted from there and then added to it so that I wasn't having to come up with totally new ideas or Mm -hmm. new thoughts on the same ideas, but I was using what I had already done to share it in a different way. Yes. Yeah. And it's, you know, you can talk about it one way, kind of high level. And then of course, as you dig down into each industry or medium, you can start really getting into the nitty gritty with this concept of recycling, you know, like, um, for example, with wedding stationers, they say, Oh, I do 100% custom work, how can I recycle? Well, yes, you said to this bride, this is your 100% custom wedding suite. But perhaps you designed a pretty little flower motif for them, you can just pull that flower motif, you know, leave the rest of the invitation alone, pull that flower motif, put it on a thank you card and sell it in your shop or even sell it to that bride as her thank you cards. Um, So a wedding photographer, you've got all these beautiful photographs of the the bride and the groom and all that, but maybe you took some kind of generic type shots or of the venue or whatnot. You can offer to collaborate with the venue and they can use them on their social media or you can take the really, you know, where's a lovely landscape and use it on a stock site. I mean, I don't pretend to know the ins and outs of photography or stock sites, but it's just opening your mind up to like, okay, I took this picture for this wedding, but what else can I do with this lovely landscape of a tree that maybe someone would pay to use for social media or whatnot? Yeah. And I think a lot of businesses have those designs or those images that they have created but they didn't necessarily use for their clients. I know, mm-hmm. you know when I design a logo, there are concepts that either they never see or that they decided not to go with. 
that I could reuse in another way because mm-hmm. it's not like I'm taking away from their custom design. I'm just using what I had already done and repurposing it somewhere else. Exactly. Exactly. So saving a little time and not starting from scratch every single time. It's just like you did the work. Now what can you do with it to make money or grow your business? Yeah. And I know that I've seen people talking about um, updating old blog posts with new Mm -hmm. information and then sort of publishing them with all of that so that you're not having to rewrite something new every time, but you're going back and revisiting things that you've already done and you're just making them relevant and fresh again. Exactly. Yeah. Or you could even take, if you didn't, you know, if you wanted to take that even one step further, take a a paragraph perhaps from a uh, old blog and just write another couple paragraphs on like, this is how I felt three years ago, but here's what I think on this now, you know, kind of a then and now post. So similar to what you were just saying. Yeah. So how do you, work on weatherproofing your business um, with the clients or the customers that you're serving in mind? How do you sort of balance making sure you've got everything you need in place, but still serving your customers well? Um, Well, I know that with what I do, I mean, I'm a product-based business. So kind of what I do day to day is a little different than service-based businesses which is why I love doing the one-on-one calls because then I can really like dive in and and ask them questions like, what do you do on a day-to-day basis? So I can kind of help them weatherproof more tailored to their business. But for me, um, I just, I try to keep those steps in mind, organization, outsourcing, and um, recycling. I still do some custom work. And I only do that myself. I don't outsource any of my design work quite yet. I might have to bring on a junior designer at some point. Um, But I've learned kind of tips and tricks along the way, some little shortcuts, like because I do so much geographic stuff, if somebody requests a particular print with like Cincinnati or something, a big city, I'll save it because someone else might request that down the way. Or then I might, if, you know, I might tweak it a little and list it for sale. So it's, they're still getting their one of a kind custom piece, but I've kind of tweaked the font or the colors or something. And I'm still making money off of that work that I did for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of templates too. And a lot of the, some of the stuff I do that's quote unquote custom is actually more personalized where I've already done the design, but I say, okay, you tell me where you live. Like, for example, I have a design that has a few locations and a dotted line that kind of connects them to show their journey. Yeah. I've already done the design and they just tell me, okay, I want Los Angeles, Boston, and Sydney, Australia. So because I already have a template in place, it's kind of drag and drop. Right. And it took me a little while to figure that out. I was creating from scratch every single time. And then I realized, well, wait a second. The, you know, positioning is the same on every print. The lettering is the same. So I saved a template. So I have templates for my big sellers that I just use over and over. Um, And then as a product-based designer, it's really easy to recycle. If someone hires me, for example, to do a custom skyline, I have, I think at this point, five different design 
uh, product lines that use Skylines. So as soon as someone says, hey, can you make one for, um, I just did one for Petra Jordan. If you can make me a Skyline for Petra Jordan, well, then I have like five different product lines I can drop it into. And those five product lines all come on, you know, four or five different products. So if someone hires me for a custom Skyline, boom, I've got 50 products already that I can create from that Skyline that they hired me to do. Right. And I think a lot of it, I feel like it's probably going back to creating processes, like you said, Mm -hmm. having templates and things in place that make it really easy for you to fulfill what your clients need and then also benefit your business by making it easy for you or being able to repurpose these things. So it's not one or the other. It's just balancing both depending on who you're serving. Exactly. Yeah. That was a much more succinct way to put it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what are some common objections you see to weatherproofing and how do small business owners overcome that? Well, what I see a lot is, um, you know, I, I mentioned the outsourcing, I can't afford that or I'm not big enough yet. And we kind of address that a little bit, that you don't have to take on a huge financial commitment. Just kind of dip your toe in the water. Mm -hmm. Um, Excuse me. Service-based people, I've learned, have a harder time wrapping their head around the recycling because they do want to be 100% custom. And and I do want to stress, like, I'm not trying to take away that custom service that anyone is doing for their clients. It's just kind of working on thinking outside the box a little bit. And that's one of my, that's my like zone of genius. For whatever reason, I can talk to people and immediately come up with different ideas for their business. Um, I know that interviews like this, they're all kind of high level. When I do my one-on-one calls, I get down into the nitty gritty. Like I talk to them about their business and what do you do? And, and they walk away with different ideas. So I just kind of, it's really just training your brain to think I, this is possible. I would say that's, that's probably the number one. And I'm, I'm talking through this as I talk out loud. <laughs> that's probably the number one thing is people thinking, Oh, well I do custom stuff. Well, there's still ways to, to weatherproof. There's still ways around it and opening up your mind to maybe some different income streams. Because when I say, weatherproof your business. If you're a wedding photographer and you want to take a month-long cruise to the Mediterranean, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> but your camera is obviously not going to go out and keep photographing weddings by itself. But you have to set up other avenues in your business so that at least people aren't like, well, wait, where did she go? She's dropped off the face of the earth. You know, right. you can still have things going on behind the scenes that just keep your business in the public eye and hopefully still bringing in a little bit of money. Yeah. And as a service-based business, I think that can look like just still being on social media and having all that content go out Mm -hmm. pre-scheduled, but it could be, like you said, finding a way to create passive income that I can sort of walk away from doing custom stuff if I need to and still have things working behind the scenes that brings in money um, and is not just about the visibility. Exactly. And it may not be, you know, your full income. It probably won't be if you have to step away for a while, 
but it's something. And that's enough to just ease our minds sometimes, you know, that we're not panicking going, oh my gosh, all my hard work is going to come crashing down. You never want to feel like a day or two away from your business is going to cause everything to crumble to the ground. If that's the case, then you don't have your business set up the right way. And like I said, I learned that the hard way. I definitely learned it through trial and error. So that's why I kind of feel confident going, oh, I know what I'm talking about because I screwed (laughs) up in the beginning. Yeah. And I think the big thing about, you know, when we walk away or something happens and we have to take time off, we're afraid that people are going to forget about us Mm -hmm. or that they are, you know, going to be mad that they don't hear back from us from their email right away. And some of that is just letting people know what's going on as much as we're comfortable. Right. Because people are pretty understanding and generous. If you say, you know what, I'm really sorry this came up, you know, I'm, I'm still here, but we're going to have to delay things a little bit. Yeah, they really are. It's, it's funny. They, they really are. I've had people when I've said things like that, Oh, I'm so sorry. We're, you know, we uh, went through before we adopted our son, we went through a failed adoption and I life kind of ground to a halt after that because it was pretty devastating. And so I told a couple of customers, um, you know, who knew we were expecting a child. Oh, well, it didn't work out. I'm a little behind schedule. And they were so gracious and so understanding. And when you let people in like that, kind of behind the brand, behind the scenes, you get loyal customers because they feel like they've made a connection. They want to support you. I get some of the same customers over and over and over again who'll come back years later. Oh, I purchased from you two years ago. and I loved it. And now I moved. I need some more stuff. (laughs) It's, it is. If you just let them in on what's going on, you'll be, sometimes you'd be amazed at the connection you're going to make or the understanding that they'll give you. Yeah. And I think that goes back to serving your clients and your customers. Well, when you have done well by them for most of the time, they're going to understand if something comes up like Mm -hmm. every now and again. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So was there anything you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask about or that we haven't covered yet? Um, nothing that I can think of really. Okay. So then I'm going to go into some questions that I ask everybody at the end of the interviews. And I love hearing, um, especially because you're a product-based business. So it's a little bit different uh, than most of the people I've talked to. Um, but how has serving your customers well been important to your business? Well, from the very beginning, I have really prided myself on my customer service. I just try and tell myself, treat them like you'd want to be treated. And these people are buying handmade for a reason. They're not going to Walmart. They're not going to Target. Which, side note, props to Target for supporting so many small businesses lately. They're yes. doing a great job. Love it. Love it. But back to the question. <laughs> um, So I've just tried to be very personable, very laid back, very nice. And I think that's, that's paid off a lot because, you know, in a service-based business, you do, you talk to your client a whole lot more Mm -hmm. in a product base. Sometimes you don't talk to the client at all. If they just order something, you ship it, you're done. Um, I try to include little goodies in the package. Everybody, for example, with paper Finch, everybody gets a mailable postcard that says, Uh, Life is a daring adventure or nothing at all. Choose wisely. So if it's our brand and they can use it, they can send it out to somebody and say, you know, I was just thinking of you. Um, I sign, I still sign every order, even with the 
um, volume that we've got going on, all the prints I sign, not, not the actual prints, sorry, the packing slips. Okay. Everything that comes leaves my hands. Now that we've expanded into other products, um, I don't package everything myself. So those, unfortunately, I, I cannot sign, but I just try to give it that personal touch and remind them that it's, this is handmade. This is one person. I mean, you're getting my address when you get a package from me. <laughs> it's got my address on it. Uh, if I have local people and they want to meet up to save shipping, I do that. I just try to treat them kindly. And um, I just met up with a business friend of mine the other day and we were laughing that certain repeat customers get little perks that maybe new ones don't. I was just saying how I've walked away from 100% custom, but occasionally my return clients will say, I have this quote, can you do it for me? And I, I usually will because they've been <laughs> so long. So just taking care of others, you know, remembering can be as little as sometimes I'll say, oh, last we talked, you were pregnant. How was the baby? And just making them feel seen and appreciated, which you know, you don't always get with a product-based business. Yeah, you're right. Because as a service-based business, we are talking to people all the time. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times they can't come back and hire you for a whole new project. They don't need a website every year redone necessarily, right. where you have a chance to build really great loyalty, where people are going to come back and actually purchase from you. Yes. Um, where I, I see it as, you know, I get reviews, they mention me on Facebook and all of that. So it's, it looks different, but mm -hmm. I think it's really, it comes from that same place. Yes, it does. And I mean, I'm, I, as a service-based business, you know, they may not need a, a website every year or so, but they can refer you if they yep. know someone else who does. So. All right. So tell me two things that you're loving right now, and they can be business or life. Ooh, okay. Um, well, the first thing that comes to mind is this stormy, rainy weather we're having in Florida. I'm just loving it. I think it's great design weather to sit by a rainy window and just get work done. For some reason, I design better when it's gross outside. <laughs> I do too. I, I guess it's because I don't feel like I'm missing anything. I don't know. It's just moody. I've always liked the rain. Um, let's see. Uh, there's so many podcasts I'm loving. I usually listen to podcasts while I'm working. Uh, some business related, some not. I'm loving Amanda Berlin's Pitch Podcast. That's okay. been fantastic. And then... Um, on a personal level, I'm listening to this. So I loved the TV show Lost, like obsessed with it. I was so obsessed with it. And I'm listening to this podcast where they rewatch it. And that's been really fun. Those yeah. are fun. Yeah. I, have a, I have a podcast that they rewatch Law and Order episodes. Oh. And I love it. It's so funny. And I can just, I don't have to think about business when I listen to those sorts of things. Yes. Like, I like to listen to those when I design, too, because I don't want to have to actually really listen. Right. I want to be able to tune in every couple of minutes and know, still know what's going on. Yeah. And I have to say, I like designing when it's rainy, too. Yes. I think it's, if it's when it's nice out, you're like, I should be outside, not exactly. staring at a computer. Exactly. So I've got all the blinds open, and I mean, it is raining here in St. Petersburg today, and I'm loving it. <laughs> All right. So what are you excited for that's coming up in the future? 
Let's see. Uh, well, I just relaunched my website, so I'm really excited about that. Um, Susie with Splendidly Curious did the design. It's amazing. So I'm, I'm excited. I haven't even like spread the word quite yet because I just wanted to make sure there weren't any hiccups. Mm -hmm. I'm about to announce the new design. And I am putting my nose to the grindstone to really dig into my the wholesale side of my business. I'm, I've been wholesaling a while, but I'm ready to really kick it into high gear and get some sales reps. Um, and I've been working with Carolyn Keating with Wholesale for Creatives. And she's kind of helped me get ready to make that leap from like small scale wholesale to the big leagues. So I'm really excited about that. That is exciting. Yeah. That's going to be, you know, sort of a whole new thing. I don't know anything about wholesaling, so. Yeah, well, I mean, I hope you see Paper Finch's work one day in um, Paper Source or Anthropology. Those are, the, those are the goals we're working towards. Okay, we'll keep an eye out. Okay. <laughs> All right, where can people find you online? I am at um, paperfinch.com. That's the new website I just mentioned. On Etsy, I'm, my shop name is Paper Finch Design. And then I'm on social media. My Instagram and Facebook handles are Paper Finch Design. Um, Twitter and Pinterest are Paper Finch Amy, because a long time ago, I accidentally locked myself out of Paper Finch. And <laughs> so now and everything was taken. So I have two different social media handles, but I'm primarily on Facebook and Instagram, and that's Paper Finch Design. All right. I will link to those in the show notes. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Samantha. Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show.